This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Movement. It's time to step up your watch game with classic designs and quality construction starting at just $95. Right now, our listeners get 15% off their entire order with free shipping and free returns that you're not going to want to take advantage of by going to MVMT Watches, and that's movementwatches.com slash bcpod. So that's right. It's mvmtwatches.com. Go there right now slash bcpod for 15% off your order. Today's show is also sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to find the perfect candidate? ZipRecruiter finds candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Right now, our listeners can can post jobs for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Joey Svensson. Yeah, man. Buddy Carter. Three, two, one. Hit it. Yo, up until this point, I thought I was old school. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. All right. What's up, buttheads? This is Buddy Carter, <laughs> and this is the Bad Christian Podcast. <laughs> Buddy Carter, this is oh, awesome, man. man. The one and he, all. I mean, he, you just came in and kicked butt, knocked Matt off his chair, and you're yeah. running things right now. Matt, yes, sir. Well, we I, we are listening to you, man. Well, I really wanted to say what's up, consummate professionals, but me, he made me call y'all <laughs> buttheads. <laughs> all right, so what, but, do, what, do you, what are you doing in Matt's chair? What are you doing in Seattle right now? Well, I came out here to see my grandbaby or my grandbabies. Yeah. And uh, I've just been sitting around the house most of the time holding the newborn. So Matt Matt was uh, kind of a little worried about the racial divide in his household. Are you sensing some tension considering this is a fully white baby and uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like your other grand is totally white at all? Oh, I thought when you said racial divide, you were talking about Jen- Jenny and me. <laughs> no, I, I don't have any problems with any kind of race you know that <laughs> now, now, i'm now sorry buddy, that you do <laughs> now now buddy is it what is it like i i want to know this because i have three kids joey's got four what is it like to you raise your son and you love him and you can't wait for him to have grandkids and that bastard moves three thousand miles away with your grandkids is that, is that tough what is that like well, it's it's sort of expensive to come out here and visit. That's one yeah. little issue there. Definitely. And uh but my daughter Cindy lives in Charleston, which isn't too far from the house, and then Emmy lives in Minneapolis, so you know, I think they're trying to tell me something. They got as far away <laughs> as they could. <laughs> it's tough. I can't imagine my kids moving away. Like I just don't like that idea at all. So and you're right, it does get exp- I mean, the flights Staying somewhere, figuring all that stuff out is crazy. So I, I don't envy you at all. Just you need to try and convince him to come back to the South. That's what I think too. I'm here in Nashville. He can move to Nashville. That's a, that's a lot closer. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I've, I'm pretty much certain of that. You know, I thought that that might happen early on. Then you came back. Joel came back. <laughs> I knew Matt wasn't coming back. His, 
the boss's <laughs> roots are here. <laughs> so, so buddy, how often do you listen to this podcast? Uh, well, I'll come downstairs a lot of times and Jenny will have it on and she's pretty protective. <laughs> she won't let me listen to much of it. <laughs> My parents don't listen to it because they're uncomfortable with obviously what they can't fully grasp in the entertainment aspect of Toby and Matt always giving me hell and everything. But I, I was curious, have you heard about or, or have you heard how hard of a time we give Matt when it comes to being completely emotion lists and uh borderline autistic and all that sort of thing like have you heard us talk about those sorts of things does it rub you the wrong way does it piss you off no nah, it doesn't bother me a bit i mean i know how you guys are <laughs> <laughs> see i, I get a, I'm, a, I'm off the hook my parents have no clue what a like they don't even know what a podcast is that doesn't i mean that they don't even know that word i, I can't even I try to tell my dad it's like it's kind of like radio, and he goes, "Yeah, I just I don't know. I listen to the, the channel on the radio station, but I don't I don't get this." So, but that's funny. Do you and have you and Jenny ever got heard something though, or gotten into an argument from listening to the podcast? Does, does Jenny? She seems like a pretty regular listener. Does she ever go, get mad and say, "They why did Matt say that?" Well, just about any topic that we choose will eventually wind up in an argument. <laughs> I mean, so the podcast <laughs> wouldn't be. But, you know, I've heard a podcast. I knew a little bit about them, but I never figured I'd be the star one like I am tonight. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's that's interesting. Last question, then. We'll, we'll get we'll get Matt on here, too. But what is the key to marriage, then? You you and Jenny have been married a long time, got just beautiful kids, great grandkids. What what do you think is the key to, to staying married? Tolerance. It, it sounds... It, to- <laughs> <laughs> So in a word, but shoot, I, I've been using whiskey. I've been doing it wrong the whole time. Well, I use that then I, as long as I could, but my liver wore out and I had to go to trying other things. Hey, well, I, I actually want to get the last question, uh, buddy. How do you feel right now that a lot of Seattle people are listening to you and, and you are a very accomplished guy. I won't go into all the details of how you're successful in the business world, but just because of your accent, People say, oh, that guy's dumb. Well, they can believe what they want, but I've been out here for about 48 hours, and I feel a wave of liberalism coming over me. <laughs> I mean, these people out here are a little different. <laughs> I bet you've already smoked some weed, haven't you? <laughs> no, I gave that up, too, even before I gave up the whiskey. <laughs> well, buddy, thank you so much for joining us, man. This has been fun. We're glad to have you for sure. Well, thanks. I appreciate you guys, uh, everything that, that you, you do and everything you stand for and being friends with my son. You know, Emory started out as a garage band, and it was my garage. So that's right. I, you know, I feel like I raised most of you guys and I'm always happy to see you. I was real happy to see Joey when he came home last weekend. I hadn't seen him in a long time and yep. it's good to be yep. with you tonight, Toby. Yeah. Thanks so much, buddy. We enjoyed having you on, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, daddy. I'm glad you're here. I hope y'all have a good time. Now y'all take Georgie. Don't let her come in here and go take her out to dinner and y'all stay out of our hair for a little bit. I, I'd appreciate it. Matt, were you nervous about that at all? Or did you just sit back and no, I'm not nervous about that. I'm not nervous about that at all. That was my, that was a, you know, that was a little vacation for me. I get to sit behind the <laughs> producer's table to tell you the truth. If I could, I would love to produce a podcast like this and be a, somebody who was behind the scenes doing, I love that the technical stuff. So just sitting over there for a minute, 
uh, watching it happen is a fun thing for me to do. It just reminded me of uh, how what it must be like to have a great father. Yeah, it's it's awesome. <laughs> it really is something. I'll tell no, you. No, 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 no. I want to clarify that real quick, <laughs> Joey. I want to talk about where you and I were at, at Devin's mom's funeral here in a minute. But I'm going to lead into that with. Uh, yeah. It was interesting. I, everybody knows last week I talked about my relationship with my dad. And I, I do want to say I love my dad, and he worked super hard for us, but we have a really tough relationship. So I, I honor my dad and how much he provided and cared for us, but we just have a rough relationship. Well, it's really crazy. I know my dad didn't listen to the podcast, but we went home. Devin's mother passed away, and I went home, and I had dinner and stayed at my dad's house. I had dinner with my dad and stayed at his house, and uh, it was crazy. It was like I shared an unbelievable, out of nowhere, super sweet moment with my dad. Like my dad talked about his relationship with my pawpaw, his father, and when his mom and dad passed away. It was the weirdest thing. Like it was the craziest moment of, wait a minute, we, we don't ever talk or anything. And I know he didn't hear the podcast. He definitely did not. He doesn't know what a podcast is. That's the truth. But uh, it was really strange to hear like my dad, where he came from, and just talking about his mom and his dad. And how things are hard, like he alluded about how it's hard to show emotion and, and how you wow. deal with people is, is tough. And, and, you, and it was really funny. I was sitting there and I knew, I told you all about our communication. It was really weird. We're sitting at, uh, what is that restaurant? It was some steakhouse he took me to. And uh, I knew I could ask certain questions, but it was going to end soon. So I asked him about. Mm -hmm. You had a window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, but, and I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. I was like, hey, I can only go so far. If I ask too hard of a question, yeah. it's over. It'll shut yeah. it down, and that'll be it. And I had that window, and it was kind of like a really sweet moment I got to share with my dad. I don't think we're, like, a lot closer or a lot of things are healed, but it wasn't. It, it is. I do want to give dads and, and people the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to. Like, last week, I felt like a lot of people thought, uh, you know, it it's the worst thing ever. People have it way worse than me, but my dad does love me, but our yeah. relationship is strained. Mm -hmm. It's what's really crazy is how many people wrote me, how many dudes wrote me and called me and were like, man, I, I really related to what you said. I'm glad and appreciate that you said that. So that was interesting, but we were in town for, uh, uh, Devin's mom's Toby, let, funeral. Let me suggest and float this by you. I don't think your dad listens to the podcast. That's not why. Um, but I would say that probably given the way you told the story, the fact that you didn't bite your tongue and you did say that to him and he quickly moved on last week. Like you said that you told him, yeah, yeah, why yeah. would you do this? That's been probably yeah. in the back of his mind all week. And then he took the opportunity. He, I mean, we rarely realize when the thing that we do affects somebody and they're really yeah. defensive about it. You will see that person maybe come around in a, a week or a month or a year later because your words did matter what you said that you called him out. And right. in that moment, you were met with pure defensiveness. But right. your willingness to call him out or say it in that moment did affect him. That's why that well, happened. Well, here's the, here's the yeah, reality, that, that too, is the fact that Toby's dad is seriously working the best he can with what he has. And I think what speaks volumes for what Toby did, and I know he didn't do it perfectly, but... Toby get like what Matt said, Toby gave his dad something else to work with. And I think it probably Toby was even more impactful than what you can see right now. Probably so. I, I think that yeah. probably, but that is interesting to think of it as, as a window, uh, yeah, right. being there for sure. So, so Matt, so the, the, Matt, hold on one extra little caveat of the story. What's really funny. As soon as I got there, my, the, the point my dad moved on to was about his garage door. Mm -hmm. it, the <laughs> spring, the spring was broken in, 
he's like, hey, maybe tomorrow you and I. I was like, I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. And so I looked at it, and I fixed his garage door, and I've never seen him more happy. And he couldn't say he's <laughs> proud, but he's like, you fixed that thing. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. And so, so I was like, man, my dad's kind of proud of me. And then we shared this moment. It was really awesome. Then as I'm leaving, total dumbass son thing. I ran over and destroyed a huge bush. <laughs> I was back dr- backing was out, leaving, and I didn't know he couldn't get mad. He was yeah. like, I, I, got, I told him, I said, hey, I wanted to tell you, I, I messed up your bush. He's like, I didn't, oh, oh, well, I can, I, I probably can fix it. And I was like, okay, wow. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard, so I've heard accounts back. of it. I, t- I caught up with Devin this week. I had a busy last you know week and a half here with the baby, and Devin's mom died right at the same time. I caught up with him a little bit, and he told me about the funeral. Uh, Joey called oh. me right after the funeral and told me about it. And then my dad and mom were at the funeral and, and told me about it. It sounded like I, I hate that I missed it, but it sounded like that was a really interesting thing. So I'd, I'd love if y'all would tell me about well, how, I'll, how that I'll was. Tell you the, I'll tell you the most interesting part for me at first was just walking in there and seeing the apprehension and nervousness <laughs> on Toby and just how he was was thinking everything through so meticulously. Matt, he asked me what side know. do we sit on? <laughs> I thought it was like family and friends. I didn't know. Well, are we on the what are the two sides of the funeral party that you sit on? Well, I think the, it the works that way side. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> the family but, side and there's the friend side on <laughs> But seriously, like Toby Toby was like so caring and wanted to do things so right. Like when we went up there and you know it's open casket, so you know, we we see Devin's mom, and then we take a left, and we greet Devin and his wife and his sister and um, Ronnie, his dad, and everything. And then we walk away, and Toby's like, hey, should we have gone to the right side? And it was just like all this. It, w- it was neat because, I mean, you could just tell that Toby really cared. But, yeah, what Matt's alluding to is uh, – and I, talk, I, I, I did feel like I needed to talk to Devin today and just see how, how cool he was with us being pretty frank about our reaction. He said, you know, he, he pretty much felt the same way. Here's the irony. What we're going to talk about with this funeral, the funeral was exactly how his mom would have wanted it. So the pastor honored her wishes, but you're sitting there, and what you're not feeling is honor – for Devin's mom, because I would say five minutes out of the 45 minutes that he talked was saying some nice things about Devin's mom. And the, the other 90% of it was hell, heaven. This could be your last chance. Um, she never knew that she was going to, you know, die in three days. And it just, you're just sitting there and it's, it, you start to feel kind of even tense and, I think what's crazy is pretty much everybody in that room, that's just what they expected, you know, and reflecting on my childhood and everything. I mean, that's the sort of thing right. that Joey, I, let me I grew interrupt up with. you. Let's please give a little bit more background of what kind of church this is, where you grew up. And let, let's, let's, well, let me say that because it's the church that it's the type of church that I grew up in. Very small, like a, you know, 40 person church. Yeah. Very charismatic on, on fire. The, the pastor, that preached the sermon was exactly like my pawpaw. I remember that's the church I grew up in. Hellfire. If you don't make a commitment today, you don't know. If you don't know where you're going, then you were going mm-hmm. to hell. And it was it was really like so. He took and this so, opportunity, and, the, and, what, and this is Glassy yeah. Mountain Baptist Church or right. something. It's, it's right. a church off a small yes. road in a rural area. Right. It you know holds eighty people. So or it's something. a very now. Here's the thing too. It's it's a very charismatic like uh, it, it, I, these these pastors. Even my pawpaw 
have a lot of charisma mm-hmm. and uh, you like right. them. They're like Elvis or something. It's like that that Jerry Lee Lewis kind of you know wild man. Yeah, kind of. But but they're doing it. They have a good heart. They, I believe he thought that. But his thing was he goes well. I'm going to preach the gospel because people need to hear the gospel. So right. that, I'm okay with that. You can proselytize people. If you really believe that and you you believe that people are going to hell and you're really worried about them, that doesn't bother me that bad. I might not like it, but the thing, but he just kept going about this. It was the same thing for about 30, 45 minutes with you got to know Jesus. You got to know him or, you know, well, hmm. uh, yeah, you know, this, and this, and you're going to go to hell. You're going to go to hell. And what, what became very evident to Joey and I, which is really funny, is <laughs> we sat we sat on the very back pew, and I had tattoos, and I realized about thirty minutes in that he was talking yeah, to me. You're and the, Joey. You were the Joey two. And I were lost. Yeah, you were the two I, lost. Guys we were in the totally back. lost. <laughs> Matt, Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt, somebody was somebody was singing a special song, and he and the pastor was sitting in the back, and he got up, interrupted the song, and he was just like, "I'm sorry." But I think God is telling me that I've got to say this again. And Toby and I are like, we're not going to get up and go to the front. All right. He interrupted a person singing a song and stopped him. Yeah. Yeah. For an altar call. The altar call is, hey, this is your last chance. Come down to the altar. Get prayed for. And you you believe that his intention there was that the two of you would walk down the center of the aisle and come up and give your life to the Lord during the funeral. Here's why I'm so sure to. Well, I'm so sure of it. after the funeral, everybody, we, Joey and I are getting ready to leave and we catch up to Devin and Devin uh, t- says, uh, this pastor is his uncle or, mm-hmm. or a cousin or something like that. And the pastor's there and he looks up and sees me and I can see his face go, oh, l- like, you know, Devin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're in Devin's band? Oh, wait. Oh, I thought, I thought you were the one. <laughs> I can yeah, tell on his sure. face that he thought, wait, you were the guy in Emory? You I thought you were the one going to hell or is it what in the world? You know what I mean? So it was really kind of funny. I do believe the guy like that small town, small backwoods church is exactly what I grew up in. I believe it that that they want to do good, but it does feel like such pressure when you're like, man, I want to remember Joyce. I want to hear about Joyce and her story. Yeah. And this should be a morning and possibly a celebration, but most likely morning of her time here and missing and just proclaiming how good she mm-hmm. was and, how much you you love her and all the funny things, which he did a little bit of, but it was also, I think the whole family was just devastated. And I don't know if any of them could talk. Nobody went up from the family because I think they were so emotional. Devin was so emotional. And what did Devin tell you? I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. This is the first time that somebody's passed away that has been this close to us, like Mm -hmm. an actual parent with us. And like Jess's dad passed away before I knew her, but, and Devin said that he didn't want it to be a celebration. He's like, this is the closest person that's ever died. And I I actually really want to, really be in this moment and, and he sad to be sad, mourn yeah. this. Yeah, and I, I really understood that. Yeah. I really did. Now, the, the thing that got me, too, was there was an open casket, and it just, I can't, it, for me, every time I've seen an open casket, that does not look like the person. Yeah. Have y'all experienced yeah. that? I have. Like, there is something missing, and it's because it's not just asleep. Right. Maybe you knew that, but I think if I'd have walked in and didn't know, I knew Joyce, and, I, and she was just laying in a bed, I think I would still been, nah, this something's different here. I, I like just, it's so strange. And so, I, Joey, I immediately went back and I, I told some people too, uh, I was hanging out with this weekend. I'm totally with you. I no casket. I'm not going to allow anybody to buy caskets to, for me. And I want to be sitting up in a chair with sunglasses on, <laughs> like with a glass of sweet tea. And I, Joey, you said something like that, maybe a Packer game on yeah. or something like that. And I want people to hang out and I'm just sitting there like I'm not, like you don't see my eyes. 
and I just have a drink, like a Bud Light or a Miller Light, and I'm just there, and that's what I want. I, I cannot think of anything that's farther from my life than a casket. The, the least thing in this life is a casket or a grave. I don't want either of I those. I was thinking today, I, I pick up Gwenny uh, from her dance studio every Tuesday and Wednesday, and it's right next to a funeral home. And I was just thinking, because people were getting out of their cars, they're going inside. And I was like, I have no idea who's died recently. They should have on the road, on their sign, tonight, starring and then say the name of the person that deceased, or at the very least, just have their names on the board so people know, hey, I know that guy. I'm going to swing on by. It just seems like it'd be a nice touch, but I guess it's just not. Well, acceptable. I guess they do that in the newspaper. They do it in the newspaper, but, yeah, you're right. I, I just think, for me and my life, the least thing I could ever, the worst yeah. thought I have is just going to a funeral plot and where my, you know, where hmm. my stone is. And talking to me. I just don't want that. I'd rather, I really do want to be cremated. And then I would love it if she kept me on the, you know, the mantle. So I'd love that. If the, if the kids were around Christmas, <laughs> shook the me. Mantle. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I think that'd be great. Oh, like gosh. I, wanna, that, I think that would be awesome. So here's what I want to say about the funeral, because I, I agree with Toby. Intent- you were jealous that you didn't get to do yeah. it. No, I'm telling you, I love going to weddings and funerals when I get to just sit there. But I, I, I've totally, I totally I mean, believe, you don't have to officiate. You're glad Devin right. didn't ask you to officiate his mom's funeral. I, yeah. I, I didn't even because, really think of that, honestly. Because of outside of officiating him, you just you love just weddings love and funerals. funerals and those weddings. <laughs> but I, I agree the intentions were good. I mean, I, I have no problem with someone trying to keep other people out of hell. But I'll tell you this, like it, there was a painful part inside of me that just brought me full circle to, and and I I can't put a a different word on it other than oppression. Like growing up in those churches, it was like a love-hate relationship. I wanted to be there all the time, but I didn't realize just how crippling it was every time I was there. Like it it was something going on that I didn't even realize. And then when I went off to college, you know, Toby and I would would go to church once in a while to a spirit-filled Pentecostal Church of God sort of church. And it was like, this is where I need to be. But then I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is killing me. Like, there's something about this. And and because I didn't feel like I was receiving it, it was like condemning. Mm-hmm. Like, so it was just like pain on top of the pain. And so I'm just, I, I feel so freed that I can say, I don't want to go to churches like that. It's for some people. It's not for me. And I, I don't have to feel bad about it. And I know that sounds crazy to some people. No, just looking at that from your life perspective, you're, you're you know, we're, what are we going to call you midway through your life now? But you've gone through a, a lot of change. Like you're in a place now that's very different than how you grew up. And so to go back and see stuff like that has got to be like, I mean, what a neat point of reflection for you to realize that was what you were born into. And I wouldn't use the word brainwash or anything, but that was completely normative for you, both right. of you guys, it wasn't for me, but for you guys, that was the completely normal environment where the the pressure or the gr- guilt and the fear was, it was baked in, yeah. in a way that nobody was aware of or ever named because it was all that you knew. And so to yeah. go back and, and observe it like that is a quite an interesting, quite an interesting thing yeah. for sure. Well, Matt, Matt, another, another form of brainwashing. And I want to, before we go to this commercial break, I want to tell people what we're going to be talking about next week. And the three of us have talked a little bit about this, where at least Matt and I and then Toby and I, uh, while we were at the, after the funeral and everything, is I have built up, like, a, seriously, a significant irritation uh, of people's perceptions of Southerners. Now, I know that there are definitely 
very overt Southern redneck assholes that just are in the wrong and they know it and they're, they're bitter towards people of other color and everything. But I, I ran into some people when I was in Greer for the funeral that are just the sweetest people. They just want to serve the Lord. They have love in their heart. But if they, if they talk about someone from another race, you can tell, okay, they don't really have all that figured out. They, they definitely are, are racist. But someone, Matt, from your neck of the woods would just write them off as like a bad, a really bad person, mean yeah. spirited person that should be ashamed of themselves. And, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and people will probably get pretty pissed. That pisses me off. Like that really makes me mad. And I would say the reason why it makes me mad is because I have a grandma who is the sweetest person in the world. And what I was telling Matt and Toby is she is a product of 80 years of upbringing. From her parents that raised her to her husband that she was married to to her peers that mm-hmm. all all saw different races the same way, and so to the slave she owned. <laughs> that's <laughs> just, not just true. kidding, just kidding. But you know, it, it's just people people fail to realize that a lot of these people that they just write off as bad people because they are racist. Yep. They're they're. they're somewhat of victims i mean i know that's no, that's probably no, a, a and what, what's really interesting is some of these people uh, you could say people like my dad or devin's dad would be this way they're relatively or profoundly dynamic individuals that grew up before and through the civil rights movement and segregation they're really they're maybe they're not with it for the seattle culture or the new york culture maybe they're not all the way with it but my gosh they've come a long way in their lifetime way farther They've been more dynamic, learned tolerance, and accept way more, have changed in their lifetime to accept right. new things way more than some 22-year-old social justice warrior from Seattle. They just grew up in recycle culture. It's automatic for them. And all, you know, and, and it's it is really interesting. But I think people like Devin's family and my family, they've come a real and your grandma have come a really, really long way. I mean, they really right. have. So not, not, I mean, my that's not to overlook. My grandma still can't believe we have a black president. I enjoyed it. She has come a long way. That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We do need to take a break here. Uh, Thank you guys. And thank you guys for talking to my dad for a second. And before we, when we come back, we're going to talk to Paul Roof, a really interesting guy with a really interesting story. And I guess that's maybe kind of the theme we're on so far today is we're really looking at are we at a precipice are we at a different place now in in culture and things changing from the way we grew up to the way things are going to be maybe a little bit of a tipping point in in uh christianity and culture in the south and the, right. those things there's a lot of really interesting thing to un- unpack that don't ever get painted with any real color or clarity so uh we'll take a break here and we'll be right back with paul roof right now it's nine thirty-two. And I'm telling you that by looking at a luxurious piece of beauty on my wrist. And and I have not worn a watch in years. And I have to say, in the cell phone age of having to take your cell phone out and actually push the button and look at what time it is, it's nice just to be able to flip my wrist on. And I want to talk about movement. All of us have gotten our watches in Mm -hmm. the mail. And movement, basically, online, it's MVMT. And here's, here's their whole deal. They believe that style and quality should not break the bank. These guys, it's an unbelievable success story of just how they took this DIY business of watches. And and these watches are produced 
and the same sort of uh, production factories and stuff as like Fossil. So unbelievable quality with over 500,000 watches sold to customers in 160 countries. And it starts at $95. These watches start at $95. So if you go to a store right now, if you want a quality watch that's going to last a really long time, that's not going to poop out when it gets a little bit of water on it, you're going to have to pay at least, you know, $200, $300 if you want to look good wearing a watch. Starting at $95 at a department store, you can't do that. And uh, so I, I just think this is an unbelievable deal that we're offering people today. You can get 15% off with free shipping, free returns if you don't like your watch. Uh, by going to mvmtwatches.com slash bcpod. I'm telling you, I'm looking at this watch, genuine leather, brown band. Uh, the actual face of the watch is like a, a flashy blue. Mine looks a little more elegant. Toby's is kind of a little more mountain man-ish, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. You know what's really cool is I wore my distilled jeans and my movement watch uh, out to downtown Nashville out at a bar the other night. And I got complimented on my watch, which has never happened to me ever. Awesome. I've worn yeah. watch I've worn watches my whole life, never gotten a compliment about my watch. And this watch is just that cool that it like demands attention. And I thought that was really neat. I don't look like a lead singer of a screamo band. I look like the dad from Wonder Years. And for me to get a compliment about wearing cool <laughs> clothes and a cool accessories and having a cool watch meant the world to me. These watches are the real deal. They are awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, so join this movement by going to movementwatches.com. Again, that's mvmtwatches.com slash bcpod, 15% off today on this watch. Absolutely. So many designs to choose from. All right. Now, I did a call the other day with a new sponsor for this podcast, and it's a really neat one, really good idea. They've been around for a while, and I'm really glad to have them as part of uh, our podcast sponsorships here. And uh, so let me ask you this out there. Anybody, I know we have some business owners and some business people and people that are, that are out there in the world. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Because that's really that's really how it works out there. Your business, your company is only as good as the people that you put in the seats that are doing your accounting, the people that are do, uh, analyzing your reports, the people, your salesmen, the people with experience that are dealing with your business in day in and day out. That's how good your company is going to be. And you've got to put the best people possible in there. And with ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. So just think about that. Think about the applicants for your position that you have open that never saw the position. Oh, yeah. The, the great new person that never even knew you were hiring that you could have had. You can't. It's really impossible to even put a price or, or a value on, on what that is. And ZipRecruiter is the best way to really reach the employees and the people that you need. So it's no juggling emails or calls to your office. You can quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the, the right person. And you can do it fast and not waste time. So you can find them in any city, in any industry nationwide. You just post once and watch the qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. I don't care if you're selling farm equipment or you got a tech startup. You need to check out ZipRecruiter so that you get the right people in your company. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ziprecruiter.com forward slash first. That's ziprecruiter.com slash first. 
One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. All right, so Paul Roof. Now, here's I talked to Paul a little bit earlier. Here's the interesting thing, Joey. Paul's right over on James Island at the moment. He's just a few, nice. a couple of miles away from where you are. If I wasn't so introverted, I would have wished that you just came over here, but then I'd have to talk to you before and afterwards, <laughs> and that kind of bummed me out a little bit. So, <laughs> Do you live on James Island? Yeah, I live on James Island, and Fort Johnson is right behind me. The uh, James Island High School is right behind me. Dang, man. We really should hang out. That's pretty cool. Are you originally Charlestonian? Um, Columbia. Hey, if you're looking for a great church, check out Joey's church where you pet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, we're totally cool with, with beer and, and beards and all that stuff. <laughs> all right, so this story is a little bit of a, a local interest one in a way. Like, this is a really neat thing, and the connections, there's a lot of connections here. So Toby used to go to Charleston Southern University. Yeah, back in um, 1994. Joey lives in Charleston. We've, got, we've all got family there. That's where we're from. And so yeah. you were, you are not, but you were a sociology professor at Charleston Southern University until formerly known as the Baptist College of for, Charleston. Formerly right? known yeah. as Baptist College of Charleston. Um, and you've been a sociology professor there for a while until the beer can. What? Um, I was a professor until the beer can incident, right? I was a professor there from 2008 to 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was an assistant professor. Then I became an associate professor. And the beer can came out in 2014. Um, May, April of 2014, and I was terminated at the end of May 2014. All right, so this beer can thing, we got to talk about this a little bit. I know a lot of people saw the story. It kind of went viral on the Internet. I remember seeing it um, here in Seattle at people posting about it. Uh, It was both an iconic uh, likeness of yours that was on a beer can, but tell us what happened. You were on a beer can. A picture picture of you was on a beer can, and thus you lost your job. It was actually a painting of me. It was a picture that was taken at a competition in New Orleans at the National Beard and Mustache Contest at the House of Blues. That picture was taken in 2013 or 2012, and the picture had already gone viral two years earlier. It was already on Twitter, like, you know, CNN time, best beards of the year or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, when they do those types of things. Yeah. So the brewery took the picture and painted the picture that the beer had been out too but it had only been in growlers and on draft and when they started canning it they put my likeness on it and it was a painting that was a rendering of a picture i know it gets all convoluted now did you know that this was happening they asked you or you gave permission or yeah yes i knew that it was going to happen um i guess naively i didn't know how big it was going to be um but, you know, my face appeared in total wine and ad display about as big as a wall. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, once you started to see that it was becoming a big deal, like, like was the timing of it in a way where you were like, oh, crap, like the, this college I work for, they're not going to be comfortable with this. Like, did you start building up some nervousness or, or how, how did you process that? Actually, no, because I had just been promoted to associate professor the year earlier. They knew I went to beer and mustache contest. You know, I, I was never holding beer in public, intoxicated in public. You know, professors at CSU have a very good um, eye when the camera comes out. And if they're holding a beer in their hand, they're really good at putting the beer down here yeah. or cropping mm-hmm. crop the picture. But going back to that point, 
the beer had been out for almost two months. So I was like, I guess it's not a big deal. Nothing's going to happen. Um, and then everything changed at the end of May when about a, a 125 students liked the image on Facebook. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. man. And that's Gosh. what that's what started the ball rolling. So, but you never even envisioned possibly a job terminate. You thought maybe you'd. I mean, did you think you might would get a little bit in trouble, but you just didn't think it was that big of a deal? Um, I got called into the dean's office. I got fired on a Friday. I got called into the dean's office on a Wednesday to explain to him the beer can imagery. And I brought the can in. I walked through it, and at the end of that meeting, he told me. He was comfortable with it and that that could be part of my mission field, right? Because <laughs> Amen. I was around a lot of unsavory types in bars and I'm a family guy. I usually leave at 12 o'clock, you know, go home, go to bed. But, you know, that's what we're called to do, right? To be a light in the darkness, um, not to you know, say anything bad about the people I was around because there are great people I'm around, but there is drinking going on. Um, you drink the things. Yeah. I, I love you drink, right? I love beer. Okay. Beer is about the only thing that I do drink. So according to, <laughs> so I, I'm curious how it got from the, that oh, being yeah, your yeah. mission <laughs> field to you getting fired, but how could it be okay to drink beer, but not be on the exterior of a beer can? How is that possible? Well, I I don't necessarily have the answer to that question or many of them. But that Friday, I was brought into the VP's office into what I thought was going to be a wrap-up loose ends meeting. Like, okay, just just tone it down a little bit. Take it off Facebook. But they they sold more beer than I ever sold because they brought attention to it way more Mm. than I ever did. So that Friday morning, my dean walked up the stairs, wouldn't look me in the eye, and I knew something was up. I wasn't born yesterday. I may drop dead tomorrow, but, you know, I'm not yeah. I'm not an idiot. And I said, how's this meeting going to go down? And he just looked at me and said, I can't say. Oh, God. And then he had said everything that he needed to say. And I've never been fired from anything in my life. And I was wearing the CSU polo when I got fired. I mean, I'm a team player. And um, I was asked two questions that I think are important. Um, How does this, I mean, I was asked, explain the beer imagery. How does this reflect the Christian environment, number one? I said, there's nothing unchristian about beer or drinking a beer. I'm 40, I was 42 years old at the time. And then I was asked, what are your students supposed to think? And that's when I just leaned in and said, I don't tell my students what. Right, and yeah, you, you yeah. could you could see the fear in their eyes. Oh. And I, yeah. I was told you're you're terminated immediately, and you have until Wednesday to clean out your office. And and so, the and only, so that's basically the only explanation they gave you is by asking you, "Hey, what do you think your how how your students are going to feel? How are they going to process this? You know, what does this make? Uh, I mean, so it was basically a reputation guarding sort of thing. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was protecting their image. Here's what I think is so ironic about all of this is what kind let's talk about witness. Let's say you you just ruined your witness by being on this uh beer bottle. What kind of witness is it to Holy City Brewery 
when they found out that, that the dude that was on their beer bottle got fired from his job for just being on the beer bottle. I mean, that's got to sound so ridiculous. I mean, just insane. They were, they were heartbroken for me. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're like, Paul, what can we do? Cause this is the last thing. And they're buddies, <laughs> yeah. you know, right. they're buddies of mine. And they're like, Oh my gosh, we'll, we'll help you out. You know? Um, and so then I started teaching at college of Charleston where I used to teach many moons, um, before, but it was just, it was a storm. Like you've never seen the, the CSU Facebook page went from five stars to one star in 48 hours. Wow. Yeah. So is what is this really about? Because to me, when I hear this, I mean, it's clearly bullshit. Like, it's clearly not, I don't think, to me, it's not defensible in any way. And I'm sure somebody wants to make a biblical argument or some kind of argument or whatever. But to me, it sounds clear that it's uh, it's gross. This is, like, to me, this is wrong. Like, there's a morally wrong thing that happened, and they did it. And Maybe I look at that the wrong way, but is it is this like a witch hunt? Is it a throwing somebody under the bus situation? Did they not want to fire you, but they felt they had to to protect their own ass? What or did or did they? I don't I have a hard time thinking that they genuinely thought what you did was immoral and you were unfit for the job. That cannot be the case. The I, I have no hard feelings towards CSU. There are probably a couple of administrators that I still have hard feelings towards, but the school and the students, it was a place where I was going to spend my 30-year career. You know, I mean, it was a place that I was committed to, um, and I had a 50-mile commute round trip, you know, nine months out of the year, five days of the, of the week. Um, I think it was done to protect their image or... At the expense of you, though. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like what? I mean, they decided that we don't want heat, so we will throw this guy under the bus. Versus, I mean, you don't really think they had the moral problem with you because, like you said, you went in the office before, and and I was like, oh, this is as goofy as that sounds to me. Oh, that's your mission field, not just I'm on a beer can. That's fine, but even then, it's not like they wanted to fire you. They felt like we have to do that. Well, somebody dropped that. Somebody and dropped if so, hammer. where what, what is the force at what? What is the force at play here that makes them have to fire you to protect themselves? What is that force? Um, you know, they dropped the hammer, and whoever told them to drop the hammer basically cost them probably a million dollars in PR. And I don't, I don't know what the force was, um, but they did it. And you know, I'll, I'll never forget those words. And and something else. And here's a, here's an important thing to remember. I cleaned out my office that weekend, and then on the Wednesday when I went to turn in my computer. The dean shows up and puts a resignation letter in front of me and wanted me to sign a resignation letter. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You got to be kidding. All right. This, this is insane to me. and That's abuse. I would like to point, the, point it out that, because I don't believe there's the boogeyman here. I don't think you're the bad guy. And I don't really think it's like as, as bad as deans are in every, in every movie. <laughs> I don't really think it's the, the evil dean pulling the, the puppet master or, or whatever it is. This you, People have got to get a grip on the fact that our collective over- carefulness and image management precipitates this because I'm telling you, there's not some conspirator or, or uh, dark Lord Sith or archbishop who's pulling these strings. This is a outcome of the way we've been treating Christianity and our witness and authenticity. This is an outcome of that. It's a social pressure that, that 
I suppose we're all guilty of some more than others of causing us a climate that we've met, that we built into Christianity over the last century or, or, or more that is, is super bizarre. And then we have to have these scapegoats and these casualties in, in situations like this, but there's not, there's not even anybody really driving this. It doesn't seem like it's just, it's just an outcome of what the way we've been behaving. Matt, I think this is where I typically uh, disagree with you and Toby a little bit in that I, I actually think, that this decision, they, I think they felt like it was a God-honoring decision. I'm fully convinced that that's what they thought. Totally disagree with it, but I, I honestly think that it's probably a little more innocent, although it pisses me off. I kind of think yeah, they're convinced I, well, that it I was. Will t- I will totally disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, and here's why: the dean told Paul everything's going to be okay. Honestly, maybe it, the funniest thing to me is when people tell you, "Hey, you, you could be missional there. Like you can't just hang out with people. You have to. You, you can't be friends with people. You have to be on a mission. Like their projects, dude. Isn't that crazy? Like, hey, <laughs> and the dean was fine with it until he felt right. enough heat, and then he so said, he "I'm going to betray yeah. this guy." Well, That's what, he, what that what is. He a betrayal felt was, to me. What he felt was. The donors and people that give money and the Baptist right. Union and all the stuff are probably they're going to see this and my job might get it. so he got scared he talked to somebody and then and then they let Paul take the rap for this for something that they completely overreacted and honestly it shows you how disconnected they are from culture and their own school because everybody turned on them they, yep. they, that's how disconnected right Paul and everybody You're- in the rest of the country mocks Charleston Southern for nonsense right. like everybody <laughs> almost everywhere surely we're about in a pivot point culturally like that is that's the goofiest thing anybody's ever heard when we saw it on Facebook here's a great here's some great examples so I, I got the resignation letter sitting in front of me I'm in my empty office and I said I'm not signing anything that has the word resignation on it and he said to me you're putting me in a tight spot sorry you're the, you're the victim here yeah and I said I'm the one in a tight spot and so I think what Toby's saying um I want to dovetail on that like understanding the culture there are students and I mean CSU is no different the students are just like everywhere else there are students who are veterans there are students who work in bars there are students who work in restaurants and if you if you read the student handbook it says something to the effect of you cannot be in the presence, the presence of alcohol. I mean, that means you can't go to Applebee's. I know. Right. You know, I mean, that means you can't live in society. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my students followed me through the sequence and they took my urban sociology class and my pop culture class, which spoke the secular language. And then they were religion majors youth ministry majors, and some of them went out to Seattle, Matt, and planted churches in mm-hmm. Seattle. And a lot yeah. of them, even, even, and I say this with parentheses, even the most religious kid, let's say, I mean, and I mean that sort of maybe a fundamentalist kid, they were one of my, they were some of my biggest supporters uh-huh. yeah. because, because they knew me and they had yeah. me for classes. And these were kids who go to a tavern in Charleston, preacher's kids, and they get pints of beer and they open up the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're they're, they're totally. living in well, the- and that's pretty normal in a lot of the country. That's that's a pretty normal thing that we yeah. it, it, and it's progress. And so let me be even a little bit more aggressive and and not even and even further disagree with Joey and try to to, to <laughs> uh, downplay this as innocent or they're doing the best they can or that's right for them. I, I think this is terrible, morally corrupt, institutional 
bullshit that's toxic and harmful. And here's here's why I say that. There's a million people out there that go, oh, Christians are dumb. Charleston Southern's dumb, or those Christians are goofy. I take it a bit more personally than that. I'm. I, it's our job to police our own people. We have to do that first if we're ever going to be taken seriously and credibly for the things that we believe. And the most, the thing that gets me the most about this is, and this goes against a principle of, I think, this show and of one of me personally, and it is so disrespectful to the mind of the people that they're communicating to and babying that are their uh, students that are 19 years old or 21 years old or Christians. We're the authority. We're the leadership. And we what we have to do is protect them and not let them make a see for themselves or decide for themselves or be exposed to things like alcohol or, you know, you're, you, I, damn it, I need to be able to make my own decision if I think Paul is good or bad or if alcohol is okay or not or if how many feet away from the Applebee's margarita bar I sit. I need to be able to understand and comprehend that as a human, as a person, as a Christian. And when bureaucracy and institutions and leadership tries to say, let me manage that for you, and at the expense of other humans and real people, that is wrong. That is toxic is messed up and it makes it not only makes us look stupid we're take cutting the feet out from under people that that are christians that are younger that look up to people and leadership it makes no sense i think it's wrong as you can be paul where are you at in your heart as far as charleston southern is concerned you sound pretty forgiving it kind of sounds like you know over and done with but you know where, where are you at with charleston southern do you have any relationships with with any of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I go to coffee with professors all the time that are still there. And one really special thing that's happened the last two years is when, you know, I've been teaching at College of Charleston. I had students who were my students at CSU take my classes at College of Charleston. Some transferred, not because of me, I'm not saying that, but they, you know, there's a lot of interplay with the universities here, Mm -hmm. but I would be sitting in my office at College of Charleston and there'd be a knock on the door and I'd open it up and it was like, oh my gosh, this is a CSU student. What are you doing here? And, and we would hang out and have coffee and catch up. Um, That's sort of a, I still have so many of those relationships, my Facebook inbox flooded. Um, The going viral aspect of it was I got 1600 friend requests my phone rang for three straight days. I had to plug it into the socket. Inside Edition called me. My image of <laughs> my image appeared on Comedy Central, the midnight show. Um, but I, I have a question for Toby. What was your yeah. experiences like in 90, 94? Because I'm a Presbyterian college graduate. So okay. Paul, he doesn't remember. He he was smoking too much weed. He I, didn't remember. Yeah. It was just yeah. <laughs> It was hard to hide the weed and the alcohol. That was the hard part. No, I, I just remember it being super, uh, very obviously very conservative, and there was a lot of rules which, which which felt oppressive. The the biggest one of the biggest most important memories I have was I talked to the campus pastor at the time, and I had started getting into rock music and writing my own music, and he everybody was worried about me immediately. As soon as you start, as soon as you write a song that doesn't say it's something clearly Jesus, even though a lot of my songs were. Uh, and he sat me down. He's like, Hey, listen, I know you like writing your own music, but, um, I tell you what, this is, this is the way just write whatever you want in the beginning, but just end every song with Jesus saves you. (laughs) (laughs) And I I went, I said, what? And I kind of feel like the way you felt Isn't that crazy that that guy would make you like he, you're getting fired 
for your likeness being on a beer can, but he was totally fully ready to make you lie and say you resigned. He was yeah. full. He was fully ready to make you lie for his benefit. But oh, oh your benefit. You know that, that is just so rotten that that feeling would be there. Now I would say the same thing. I had a great time at CSU. A lot of great people. A lot of good friends. And so I don't have any resentment towards it. The same as you. But there is that. It is scary that the church and godly people can't say, hold on, wait a minute. Our friend Paul, he's a cool dude. Who cares? We'll take the heat for him because he's a good dude. And there wouldn't have been any heat. They're just, who, all the people, right. who are they worried he's going to drink? It, only only thing they're worried about is the people that might be mad about drinking. Right. The, pe- not, the, pe- not the people that drink people don't gonna, care. Right. And, it didn't, right. <laughs> and it didn't make people drink more. I mean, they, you, I, it just, it doesn't, it's not a sign for alcoholism. It's just a cool can the can looks amazing i highly recommend it too are they still that, that's my last question are they is it still in are they still making it or yeah um it's uh it's still brewed um it's only available in south carolina they're gonna go to charlotte and maybe atlanta or athens but um yeah it's uh you know and that's the thing you know a lot of my students who are preachers kids you know they they drank beer and they drank good beer and they actually home brewed Yep. You know, so they understood beer culture, and one of the first things they said was, "Weren't monks the first brewers?" <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that Martin Luther. Didn't Martin Luther say part of his stipend was he was supposed to get a certain amount of beer a year? I, I th- yeah, I think that's true. So anyway, okay, last <laughs> question. You have an amazing beard. How long have you had it? And you're in competitions. You ever do you win the competition? Um, I've been in comp. I've had my beard for gosh, twelve years, I think. Um, quit shaving in 2004. Um, yeah, I've done, I've, I was second in the country for freestyle beard. Um, I was on the, on the show Whisker Wars, which was on the IFC channel for a little bit. That's and cool. I turned my beard into the Liberty Bell. At a Philadelphia <laughs> and and it's, it's like in season two, I forget what episode, but I it had a little pendulum and the blonde streak was the crack. And I, and I got on stage with the bell and I said, I got a fever. And the only cure for this fever is more Liberty Bells. And the, <laughs> and the crowd just went. <laughs> they lost it. <laughs> Paul, you've been awesome, man. Hey, I want to uh, I want to hang out sometime, but I want to send you away with Proverbs 31.6. Brother, may this bless you. Let beer be for those who are perishing, wine for those who are in anguish. God bless you, brother. We, uh, we enjoyed having you. <laughs> hey, y'all have a great night. I enjoyed being here. And come to Charleston, see me at Let's grab a beer. Yeah, for Let's sure, Paul. It. Thanks, man. You got it. Holy Thank City you. Brewing, right? Thank Give a plug you. Yep. to Holy City Brewing. Yeah. Yep. Chucktown Follicle Brown. That's me. Right on. Thank you, Paul. Thank awesome. Thanks, care. Paul. Okay. Very good. Paul Roof, everybody. Isn't that just intense, though? That just kills me. Like, it, it, the only thing Christians still get is, uh-oh, what does this look like? Better stop it. This yeah. might look yeah. like something. Better quit. No, they don't even give a shit about the actual. They don't. That no. guy, that dean, didn't care. That he was on the. He right. didn't care. He's like, oh, maybe I got to deal with. It. But then somebody said something, and they go, uh oh, no, uh, no, you, you're promoting right. alcohol. Give me a break. But, but it's not an. I really don't blame an individual, including the dean. This is the outcome of the system that we've set up and where we're at. So we just. Ha- it's going to take some work to untangle it, of course. But. On another hand, I just think it sounds so silly in a way. I think it just will fade away over time. Like, this just doesn't make sense to be this way. There's there's only two ways that things change. It's either going to be, like, violent or radical or revolution, or yeah. else 
everybody's just going to kind of get with it. And that, that thing's going to be even more and more fringe farther and farther to the fringe of people that are going to hold those views, but it's insane. Well, it, it's frustrating. Here's the, here's the thing going to, to what we're going to talk about next week too. The problem is the rush to judgment in the Christian world is just so fast and just so wrong. So and insecure. It's not, it's not that Christians are dumb. They just react wildly and they don't take time to think enough. Like uh, the, the crazy liberals, Matt McDonald, Dan Koch said this, but I thought this is a really great point. They said, there's a good chance that Hillary would be the candidate you would want to stop to help lessen abortions. Nobody's going to stop abortions, right? But she probably is way more pro on getting people contraceptives than Donald Trump would be, giving out free contraceptives, right? Mm-hmm. Which would, in fact, the more contraceptives that people have and use and know how to use properly and are, are it's encouraged to use them, would, in fact, lead people to not having babies and possibly having abortions, right? So you could potentially say, I'm not saying for sure, I don't like Hillary, I don't like Donald, but I'm saying that you, if you just thought about it for a minute, well, wait a minute, maybe that would also help. Christians are, we need a position and we need it now. We're against the bad right. thing, done. Right. Don't think about it again. Well, What's the, well, bad, thing? What's the yeah. bad thing in this scenario? Condoms, abortions, alcohol. What, can I be on the good side? I need to be on the moral yep. side of that. Quick, quick, quick. Don't let me, don't yeah. let anybody even see me debating whether or not where I'm going to come down yeah. on this. I need to get to the good side and quick. That's the worst. The and worst it's one insecurity too is, the people, is what that is. The people you see that like take the abortion. I know people who totally against it. Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm not for abortion. And then got a, somebody pregnant, and they they not they don't have that right. Big they're they're, they're more worried about other people, <laughs> right? Every time, yeah, exactly. Or it's more subtle. Someone that's totally. I mean, just radical pro-life, and they have frozen embryos, but they don't want to talk about it. I mean, that's all over the place. Right, but, you know, it's really just coming down on the side of where your image is. It's You know, you want to have the image that you think you're supposed to have, and you want to get there quick. You want to maintain it. Wait, wait, wait. Did Joey just say frozen embryos all over the place? Yeah, like they've got the deep freeze on the back porch. I, I love, is embryos I love, all in that thing? I got, there's, I got a there's cooler chilling pops, out the back. Otter pops. Uh, you know, Alexander beer. the Grape right here, and then a bunch of embryos right behind that. You know, I got my beer on ice. Right. Those are the steaks I'm gonna cook later. There's the embryos. Went to the cookout the other day. There I had hamburgers, everywhere. hot dogs. I brought a shitload of embryos to that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's way more subtle. The unbelievable amount of embryos there. <laughs> Joey, I love it for somebody to just come in on the podcast right there and like what there's embryos know. everywhere <laughs> all right man that paul uh, you know what that's man what i just people like that i immediately like i don't i don't know what it is like is it a spiritual connection did our uh what's that thing where our atoms connected matter quantum uh, entanglement you know, like, well, t- uh, maybe i have an entanglement but there are certain people in the world where i know if I hung out with him, I would just have a good time, and I would like I would like him. I, there's no doubt about it. That's weird. Y- y'all ever have that where you meet somebody for the first time, and it's just like an immediate connection? Is that does that happen to y'all much? Uh, well, it happened to me today at the iPhone store. There's yeah. an old man, and he just wanted to talk to me, and I was like, I love this old man, and we just had a great talk. It just happens to me regularly. Yeah, my thought on it is that there's certain people that you know they they if you take any individual, they have a just like a a, a politician there's an approval rating and yeah so everybody like i i feel like 95 percent of people i meet they they're gonna like me based on my amount of a particular type of type of charisma or something like that but there's five percent of people that 
do not like as soon as I talk to this barista and try to use my typical charm, she ain't having it. There's a certain amount of people that are just not going to have it. But then that same person uh, might like another person totally differently. And then somebody, you know, and it's just, there's a, there's certainly something to say about chemistry between people. And it's, and it's a, it's a one-to-one thing. It's not necessarily universal. All right. Well, let's move on. We got to get to the best part uh, of of the show. So I'm kind of excited about it. If y'all are, I don't, I don't know if you are or not. I am. In a world where your friend is now bald but used to have hair on his head that looked exactly like Paul Roof's beard. My name's Toby Morrell. This is the damn news. Hey when guys. your friend is storing embryos everywhere, all over the place. Joey said, it, it's, it, hey guys, it, it's even more subtle than that. There are embryos just stored everywhere. <laughs> Anywhere that is below 32 degrees, if you look carefully, you will find. I was in the outdoor section at Walmart, and I swear to God. <laughs> Snow cone huts, ice cream stands. You ever you, you see that guy bastard. driving around with the ring in the song, delivering kids ice creams? The other half of that thing's filled with embryos. Just filled with them. Just waiting to, you know, just poor little bastard just waiting, floating around in there. Hey, Toby, you um, know something? I'm, I'm excited about the news here. The thing about it is, I realized this today. Do, I don't know when you prepare, but out of all the times we or yeah. do the podcast, prepare, not prepare, wing it, whatever. Yeah. There's never been a time where you've hesitated to have a few stories how I mean, how you've never been caught off guard with not having stories. How do you how do you do it? I am just kind of a pro at it because I don't find you the biggest preparer in the world. But somehow you all you never caught off guard. With, I've never heard you go, "Oh well, shit, I got to get my stories together." I've never even ever heard you say that. That's where you're looking at it wrong. I'm not the best preparer, but I'm the best procrastinator. And when I procrastinate, what do I do? Where do I go? You've known me for how many years? What is my main thing that I do on the internet? <laughs> Look at garbage news. Yeah. <laughs> Fox News, <laughs> Yahoo, Yahoo, Huffington Post. I just, I'm just searching. I've always done that, so it's just really, it comes. Na- it's like what I'm already doing. So, what so you, when, when you're not preparing for our show or remembering lyrics or working on our business, the reason right. you're not is because you're nose deep in Huffington yes. Post articles. That's why. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Now. Now, here's where the news has helped me is usually I only remember, I don't remember all the details that well. So this is what's kind of nice for me. I end up having the news in front of me when I read it to you. So I really have the details. Mm-hmm. Usually I like these stories and then I try to tell somebody and then I miss something completely. Like I go, I would miss the Paul Roof story and just say he was on a soda can and it was this weird Satanist school that, you know, I don't know. I'd miss, I'd miss the point. So anyway, all right, let's get to it here. This comes from our good friends at NBC News Channel 13. And I thought, now, several roving reporters sent me this, but I found this on my own. So I'm not going to give y'all credit. I'm sorry, but I found this first, and then they started sending it in. But uh, uh, troopers say a man mixing LSD and cough syrup saves dog from an imaginary fire. Hmm. Y'all, still, y'all still with me? Joe? I'm with you. I'm curious. A half-moon uh, a man allegedly broke into his neighbor's house <laughs> to save the family dog from a fire Thursday night. However, there was no fire. Troopers say he was on LSD and hallucinating. Troopers say the 43-year-old Michael Orchard of Inglewood Drive <laughs> told them he mixed LSD with uh-huh. cough syrup medicine Thursday afternoon, and they found him standing heroically with a dog in his arms outside of what he thought was a giant inferno. 
he he believed that the residence was on fire and he was rescuing the dog. Neighbors tell Channel News 13 Orchard went around the neighborhood banging <laughs> on doors, yelling about a fire. Since no one would help because there was no fire, the animal lover took matters into his own hands to save the dog, allegedly driving his black BMW sedan through the fence. And troopers say once Orchard got through the fence with his vehicle, he got out, went up to the back door, smashed through mm-hmm. it, went inside, and saved the family's large white dog. Now, he's on $15,000 bail. Is this guy a hero? I mean, he's super high, and he's still, I mean, okay, obviously right. there was no fire and all this stuff. But can't you kind of say this guy's a hero? I mean, he risked his own life. What he thought is imaginary. There was no fire or anything. But in his mind, what he thought was like real. His sense of personal personal ethics, he he really knocked it out of the park. Like if you if you want to evaluate his decision, ethical decision making in the time, he, he has a nice BMW that he was willing to hurt. Right. He thought other and I mean yeah. he'd made a yeah, I I I I follow you there. Risked his life. The immediate thing I thought was, you ever see the, that news story? That news story where they'll uh, they'll set somebody up in a coffee shop, yeah. and the guy's there, and he's acting really racist to the lady, and, and then they you they see if the people, how they react. Coming in, you know, it's like a setup. And those people, yep. that's totally fake. But the people that stand up, they go, man, look at this hero. You, why did you feel offended? Why did you take a stand against this guy, this actor being racist? That's what this guy did. I know he's high on LSD and coffee syrup, but I mean, honestly, I think he's a real hero. Well, if you think about it, then yeah, I understand that because, you, like I say, with anything, if you get drunk and then you act like an asshole, that's you, re- the real you coming out. Now, yes, this guy was high on LSD, but the the guy's tendencies—I mean, he made those decisions, you know. To him, it was real, and that's what he decided to do. Right. I'd also say LSD plus, uh, right. I don't know, a little bit of ice cream. I don't know if the cough syrup was a the the a huge contributing factor there. I know it has some properties, but you don't. I don't know if it matters. But if you mix LSD with a vanilla latte, I think you probably still see some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cough syrup. The that cough syrup. Chaser was like, really like you the think problem. He was trying there. To say, yeah. If I wouldn't have done the cough syrup, everything would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you mix things, you know when you mix drugs, you just it messes you up, boy. <laughs> That's pretty well, funny. You better save it. All right, do we got time for one more? No, I don't even care about this last one. I don't even know if I want. to Nope, save it. save it. We're out of time. So all right, uh, good. Praise the Lord. I tell you what else. I didn't get to sit in at the beginning of the podcast here because my dad was here, but I didn't get to to give you all any of the business kind of thing. So I had a few business things written down that, as y'all know, this podcast is essentially a, you know, 90 minute infomercial that we trick you to listening to. So you got to do the promotional shit. And I didn't get to do it up top at the show. Like I like to do. Uh, number one, I wanted to tease. I have an announcement next week, something special coming your way, maybe next week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I heard a mix of Devin's album today, a, a song of Devin's new album today. Unbelievable. Going to blow your mind. Ooh, Stay I heard tuned some of it too. to that. If anybody missed it, we announced a new artist we have, Lowercase Noises. Uh, Andy from Lowercase Noises is amazing. He was on the podcast a little while back. He's got a second video out now. Find Lowercase Noises. That's our new guy. Check out what he's doing. I'll let you decide what you think about it, but I think you're going to like it. Now, here's the big announcement. Christmas party. The BC corporate company Christmas party is going to be December 10th here in Seattle. And we're going to have some, we're going to allow some people to come to it. So, what we're going to do is do a podcast. Joey's coming out. 
Uh, Devin and Dave are going to be here. The other BC music artists are going to be here. We're going to do a podcast. We're going to have some hors d'oeuvres and snacks and drinks, and we're going to throw a party. We're going to sell some tickets to it. It'll be semi-formal, and we're going to play some music, and a bunch of BC artists will play some music. We, we may broadcast some of it live. We may mix and release some of the audio in the Christmas album, but we're going to have a Christmas party, play and sing Christmas songs, and everybody mingled together. It won't be a backstage type of thing we're just all going to hang out together in a pretty small christmas party and then after that we hadn't done it in a while bc pod live shows we're going to go just because it makes sense and just because it's easy we're going to do some bc pod christmas parties i think we're going to do california so we're going to go probably bay area uh, orange county los angeles we're going to look for some hosts that'll have us there in the living room so if you you do email us at uh what do they email us at music at badchristian.com works yeah, email us at music at badchristian.com if you want to host us. And we'll have a little BC Christmas party in California. We're not bringing everybody, but Toby and Joey and I will come down there. Toby and I will do some Christmas songs, and we'll do a podcast. And uh, so it'll be like mini Christmas parties. We want to do that all kind of at the beginning of December. It's going to be a big deal. And last thing is check out Dan Koch's new podcast, Depolarize, if you haven't checked that one out yet. It's going to be a fun. new one to uh, addition to our family. And thank you to everybody. For joining the BC Club, uh, that's what funds all this stuff. This is what keeps us going. It's more important than anything to us is people in the BC Club. New stuff coming for that. Uh, thank y'all very much, Joe. You got need a benediction, I reckon. All right, Toby, take it out of here. Born to save, but I'm saved by grace. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. All right, see you guys next time. Do you want to help the podcast? Do your shopping on Amazon.com by clicking through the link on our website, thebcclub.com. It doesn't cost you anything you aren't already spending, and Amazon shares some of their money with us. So go to thebcclub.com, click and bookmark the Amazon link, and use it for your home or business. We will appreciate it. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.